You've tuned into localjobnetwork.com radio, and you're listening to the LGN Radio Quad, where our radio hosts gather to share their thoughts, ideas, and perspectives on all topics employment-related. Hi, everyone. I'm Lynn Molitor, and joining me in the quad today, as usual, is Tim Yuma. Hello, everybody. And Ashley Fitzgerald. Hello. And we're excited to be welcoming our colleague, Roselle Rogers, today to her first quad discussion. Roselle leads our HR department at the Local Job Network, so I think she's going to have a lot of great advice to share with all of us. Welcome, Roselle. Hello. I'm glad to be here. A quick reminder to our listeners to follow us on Twitter at the LJN. Use hashtag LJN Radio to tweet a response to today's quad and a chance to win a Starbucks gift card. We want you to be part of our conversation. So, okay, let's get going. Um, Tim, you're going to start us off today, and I think you have some simple ideas to share with us. Yeah, thanks, Lynn. So this came from, uh, his name is Lou Adler, and uh, a lot of people may know who this gentleman is. He's been our, on our shows a couple times, actually. And he had some, what he called, ideas to blow the socks off your next interview. Now, when I looked at them, most of them seem to us probably as more common sense and mm-hmm. things that should be obvious. So it concerns me that people out there aren't doing these things or they're hearing about like, oh, this is this is great. We should try this. But I just want to get your overall thoughts on, on maybe some of the items he had listed here. Um, if you know they are good, if you think it is a, a knock your socks off type of thing, um, or if it's something that some of you maybe have or haven't seen in the interviews that you've done, um, whether it be recently or in the past. The one that um, that just stood out to me that I liked was the idea of asking a forced choice question. So basically kind of putting the ball into the interviewer's court by uh, being able to bring up a strength of your own and be able to bring up an example. Um, That was the one thing that stood out to me that was not necessarily something you hear all the time, but I just wanted to get, again, your overall thoughts, your take on some of the ideas there and um, basically if you agree, disagree, and, and what you've seen yourself. Yeah, I uh, I agree when you said that it was the knock your socks off thing. I was like, well, you know, maybe I just hope people would do this. It's mm-hmm. kind of a common sense thing. The one thing that I really liked on here was to answer in paragraphs and not sentences. I think whether or not it's, you know, going to knock my socks off, like it's just a good thing to do in general because as an interviewer, it's very difficult to hold an interview when you're trying to pry that information out of people. So instead of giving a 20 to 30 second response to the question, go into detail a little bit more. That's what the interview interviewer is looking for. And it will really help you to solidify whether or not you're a good person for that position. And it kind of goes into providing specific examples as well, um, because the interviewer is going to ask anyway. If you say yes, you're going to get more questions on it. So just be forthright with it and um, give some examples. So I definitely thought these were good things to make sure that people are aware of that they are doing in an interview. I agree, um, especially with the fact about giving um, more examples, because I always encourage people to tell it like a story. Mm. Instead of saying, I'm proactive, I'm customer-oriented, tell a story about that. Tell them about the night when you were working in the front desk and you had a guest who came in who was supposed to speak at a conference the next day and realized that they forgot their high heels. They didn't pack them along. What did you do? (laughs) What you did was you started calling every single friend of yours until you found somebody who had not one. 
one, but two brand new pairs of shoes in her size. <laughs> and you brought that to the hotel. Tell them about that. Tell them how you made that person's day and how they, in turn, gave your hotel manager a very nice letter complimenting you for it. I think that speaks more powerfully than saying, I'm customer-oriented. Absolutely. Yeah, good point. Tim, to your point, I really liked uh, the one about ask a forced choice question. Mm-hmm. And the example that they had given saying, oh, I'm a project manager. So in regards to an implementation, is this what you're looking for? You know, kind of put a question back to the interviewer. I have to say in um, the interviews I've done, I'm asked very few questions. Mm. And sometimes that actually does concern me because I'm not always so sure that the person truly understands Mm -hmm. what the position is just based on the questions I've been asking them. Mm-hmm. So um, I I enjoy that interchange, that back and forth discussion versus, you know, an interviewer. I just question, ask, answered, question, ask, answered. Right. No, I'm with you, Lynn, especially the idea of them asking the questions as well, because, you know, even with our organization, there are a lot of different roles and then you take on additional roles. And the limited experience I've had in interviewing people, it sure felt like they were a little confused or they didn't quite get it, where if they didn't ask the question, there's no way they had a chance at that position. So I like that point. And that was one of the, the final points that was just asking meaningful questions so that you show you have that mm-hmm. insight. Uh, again, to us, I think that's pretty common sense and that we hope everybody's doing that. But for those who aren't, apparently, make sure you are doing that. And um, Roselle, a great example of, of giving those specific examples instead of just, yeah, I'm, I'm good at this. Wow, yeah, that was showing. a great example. Yeah, I love that. I've never <laughs> experienced that one myself, but... <laughs> All right, we're going to move on. And uh, Ashley, you have a topic that I'm actually personally invested in. So I look forward to talking about this. Yes, good. Thank you. We just received this week an email. We have a corporate giving committee here at our organization and asking for recommendations on places that uh, maybe we would want to get involved with to do kind of giving back to the community. And personally, I I really enjoy giving back, and it's something that I'm really excited about when our company does this because I don't really have the time on my own to do this all the time. And so when we're doing it through, you know, the company, it's just really exciting for me, and it kind of brings me back to a a different level and really gets me thinking about it. But I've always also thought, you know, it's great for me personally, but what are the incentives for the company in doing this? And how does it, you know, really help the company overall? And so I did find an article that kind of related back to that. And one of the things that I personally feel but never really thought about it is they talked about that employees experience a refreshed outlook on life and in their work. And like I said, it does always, whenever we do, you know, go whether it's to a food kitchen or we help to rake leaves or something like that, it really does kind of bring you back to more of the, you know, the simple simple-mindedness and I guess the simple um, life sometimes. And it's like, wow, I just need to take a second and take this in and realize, you know, maybe how lucky you are or I need to do this more often. I say that to myself every single time. So I just kind of want to, you know, grab your feedback. You know, is there anything else on this list that you might want to add as to why, you know, it's good for the company or employees or that maybe they didn't mention? I think there's a strong business case for it because it shows the company in a different light to when they're out there in the community with their employees. Uh, It shows the company as a good neighbor. It shows the company as a responsible corporate entity. It shows them as a green company, depending on what kind of causes they're championing, Mm -hmm. that you don't get in regular marketing or or advertising. It shows the company with a character. It gives character Mm -hmm. to the company. So I think there is a lot of um, 
there's a lot of mileage and benefit that the company gains from it. And voluntary events are also good team building activities, but they're more than just team building activities. It creates shared experiences for different for the employees of the company, but they're not just regular shared experiences. They're positive, very fulfilling, and personally satisfying shared experiences. So these are different kinds of shared experiences mm-hmm. that you're creating for employees. You make a really good point, Roselle, because I um, the things that we have done in the past, and I know one of them that was powerful to me was um, forty. Uh, Sorting, sorting at a food bank. And the experience shared with employees is very impactful for me, more so than when we went on a boat cruise, which mm-hmm. was a lot of fun, by the way, um, <laughs> a couple of weeks ago. Um, doing that sorting, I don't know. I think you're thankful for where you are in your current life, you know, your life at work. And I know for me, I enjoy participating in these events um, because a lot of times we'll include families here. And so it can be very powerful when some of the families bring their kids. And so you've got like a wide range of people and we're all working to help the community, the place where we live and work. (laughs) You know, the one that stood out to me and and Roselle mentioned a little bit is the idea of the, the team bonding and for those who have listened to some of our shows, probably find that a little strange because I'm kind of the person that's typically on his own in the cube in the in the studio. Hey, you said it. We didn't. Yeah, well, I'm just <laughs> I'm owning it. I'm owning it. Um, but I do think that's important because sometimes in the workplace, obviously, people have work to do. And sometimes you can't really force those relationships and you might not interact with somebody from different departments. And that just it's just the way it is. Not that anybody's trying to avoid anyone. But you get into these situations. Everybody's mixed up. You're you're doing something that, you know, it's a little more casual. There's not the formality to it as far as, you know, when you're speaking to somebody or or how you can approach them just based on your job and whatnot. And I think that really lends itself to to really embracing that camaraderie a little bit, getting to know someone a little bit better. You're seeing them in a in a way that's different than than their business side, so to speak. Um, You know, we're all probably a little bit different depending on where we're at. And I, I think that's an important part of it because then that person you see down the hall who doesn't necessarily stop by to say hi all the time, you don't think of them as some grouch or something. You just realize, oh, well, get them in a different scenario, and and this is a pretty cool setup. Uh, and I think that just allows for that natural interaction as opposed to any kind of um, forced sort of situation. Even even with some of the stuff that might be in the office, sometimes people are like, yeah, I don't know, I could be doing work or I could be doing this. But when you're doing something that benefits numerous people, and, and in a lot of cases it's helping people who are less fortunate than yourself, I think there's just – there's just really no downside to doing that. Mm-hmm. And I would encourage anybody to, to take the opportunity to get out there and do it. Yeah, it's That's nice good. to be with coworkers and do like a different activity. Yeah. I mean, we're in office setting, yeah. you know, so it's nice when you're doing something physical like serving food or sorting food mm-hmm. or yeah, whatever else we do. <laughs> so more to come. So, yeah, we encourage everyone to get involved in your communities. So as we record this, it is the start of a new school year. And Roselle, I think you have a timely topic for us to talk about, but actually one that is applicable at any time of the year. Thank you, Lynn. Yes, I have a friend whose daughter is graduating this year, and she really isn't sure about what she wants to do after she graduates. So I thought I'd put the question out there. How early should career planning start? Should it start in college or is that too late? Should it start in high school, middle school? Because I know choosing a career is not easy, especially when you're young. Mm. You don't really know much about what jobs are out there uh, outside of the ones that you see, interact with, Mm -hmm. or that you're exposed to. 
So um, what tools can we recommend to explore careers? And what advice would you give, let's say, to a student who's undecided about what to major for college? For me personally, the quick answer is it's never too early. (laughs) Uh, And the earlier, the better, because to me, the earlier you start, the sooner you will know. Yeah. Um, so whether it's with a parent, a guidance counselor, or a career services advisor, I think, you know, that conversation needs to get started soon. And the student or young adult needs to start taking steps towards exploring different careers. But what are some of those steps that uh, we can provide them uh, or advise them to do? So I'm looking forward to hearing suggestions from this team in terms of what worked for you when you were going through career exploration and what advice um, can we give a young adult um, when they're going through this process? It was, it's an interesting question for me because I kind of struggled with it um, a little bit. I agree in the fact that it's never too early to start looking, but I also think, don't think that that your first decision has to be the only decision. You have to go with that as well. Because for me personally, I started in high school, I wanted to be a financial advisor. I wanted to help in that situation. And then I got into college and I realized I do not want to take any economics classes and this just isn't going to be my thing. And then I, you know, started to talk to other people that I was surrounded by. Well, what are your interests? What are you doing? Kind of learning a little bit more about that. To me, I think internships are the best way to really figure out what is going to be your best fit Um, because you can try an internship in anything that you feel passionate about or that you feel like you might be a good fit for. And if it's not, then you move on and you try something else out. So I think that that would be my best recommendation is figure out, you know, things that you might be interested in. Go get an internship in that role and, you know, see if you like it. And if not, try something else. Good suggestion. So, Tim, I'd say if I was, you know, starting my school over again, mm-hmm. I would highly encourage the young people out there to listen to LJN Radio. Oh, I, like I like that. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> lots of resources on LJN yeah, Radio. Yeah, so tell us about what kind of resources people could find on LJN Radio. Sure. Well, I mean, if you're looking for specific professions, we have that. We have a podcast called I Want to Be A, which does go into, I mean, specifics as far as the degrees you're looking for, internships, if those are applicable, um, which in just about all cases they are, um, as well as the skills and the type of personality that that might fit well because, and truthfully, with some of those shows, the best part is finding out what uh, what are the difficult parts of, what are the challenges mm-hmm. because that's really what I think determines if you're going to enjoy your career or not. If you are fine with whatever those challenges are, that's great. I mean, if things are going well, any of us could do probably any hundreds of different types of jobs, honestly. It's when people, have, you know, you face those challenges, does that bother you to the point where you want to quit or that you just don't want to push through it? So, what we do at those shows, just thank you, Lynn, for setting that up, is the, is talking to people who have been in the profession for sometimes a long time, sometimes a few years. Um, but the idea that this is how it really is, regardless of what you read in a book or what your professor tells you, or even at an internship, because you might only see half of what's going on, um, just to get that real inside scoop. So um, I would encourage anyone out there to continue listening to LGN Radio. And again, that podcast is I Want to Be A. We also have a podcast called You Do What?, now, that's a, a little <laughs> bit non-traditional jobs, but hey, if you have a passion, um, you know, you could be uh, you could be a stuntman, Hollywood stuntman we've talked to, a uh, pet detective. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> it was really interesting. If you love animals and you love detective work, it's very interesting stuff. But uh, See, I love those shows, and I wish I had, like, something where, you know, accessible in my home just to kind of browse through some of the jobs that you don't even think about. You know, versus I want to be a teacher, a fireman, mm-hmm. a policeman. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
We have some of those out there too, by the way. Also, I want to be an astronaut. So if you really want to set that bar high, that's That's good. Great idea. <laughs> Was that all you had for your suggestion? That you had to have my my only suggestion would be um, start working as early as you can. Sometimes that's a motivator for you to find, uh, and I say early as you can, I mean in high school, <laughs> not child labor. Um, sometimes that will be incentive for you to to know what you don't like or you do like, and then um, that can be all that the incentive you need in order to pursue college. Mm-hmm. But I change my major. I think a lot of people change their major, so don't... Um, don't think that you're an odd to do that, but at least have a goal in mind. Mm-hmm. I mean, I did pursue something. That was me personally. Well, and you mentioned about changing majors, and I, I think Ashley referred, it happens to a lot of people. And maybe even you go through your major and you realize this is not what I thought. I would say, and this is going to sound like old person talk here, but <laughs> you don't realize how much time you have every day when you're young, when you're in high school and you're in college. I know it seems like, oh, everything's so busy, but once you're an adult, you have a lot less time. So take advantage of that. Try different things. You know, volunteer on one day and oh, yeah. go do an internship on another day. Hang out with a friend at their job or, you know, maybe a, a parent or a friend of a parent has a an interesting job that you think you might be when you want to check out. Just you have, I mean, there's a lot you can do um, just by saying, hey, can I, can I learn this? I mean, I don't know any company for the most part, unless it's like a confidential type thing that isn't going to take you in and let you check it out if you're in high school or college. Once you get to be an adult and in your you know late 20s and stuff like that, then they it's a little weird. They're not, not going <laughs> right, to let yeah. you do that. But when you're young, you have a lot more opportunity, a lot more time. I just take advantage of it. Just take advantage of that time. Oh, I think we're good. Good suggestions. And I also <laughs> would like to add Take advantage of your network. Mm. And it may not be your network. If you're a young adult, it could be your parents' network, too. Mm. You can talk to their banker, talk to their insurance agent, your teacher, your professor, yeah. um, their car dealer. I'm sure there are opportunities where they mm-hmm. work for you to ask around or to observe and job shadow and ask people what they do, and they'll be more than happy to help. Yeah. Oh, that was a great topic. Yes. (laughs) All right. We're going to close out the quad today, and I just wanted to put in a plug in terms of uh, talking about the importance of taking time to have fun in the workplace. Like I had mentioned earlier, um, we spent, uh, we went on a boat cruise during work hours recently, and uh, a lot of people enjoyed that. It is something that we always think about doing, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, it's winter. <laughs> we can't we can't boat in the ice. So um, I just thought I'd toss that out there as our final discussion for the day. So are you pro or f- con to having fun? <laughs> fun for me. We all know the proverb. It says, all work and no play make Jack a doll boy. <laughs> um, but there's a lot more science to that. So there are many articles that highlight the benefits of fun and play even in early childhood development and in brain functioning. So the mi- mind can function for extended periods of time, but while hard work is important, proper relaxation is also necessary so that it keeps the mind from being overtaxed. And fun activities help the mind relax and better absorb knowledge. And that's why physical exercise, extracurricular activities, and hobbies are important. Fun activities at work are kind of in the same league. I look at them in the same light. So taking time to have fun at work or make the workplace a fun place to be in, it helps rejuvenate and it helps revitalize your employees. It makes work seem lighter. It makes work easier. And it keeps the employees engaged and interested. And it builds different social interactions among co-workers as well. 
Wow, that was a well-articulated... I'm not sure if I can follow that up. (laughs) (laughs) I know. It's like all of a sudden the bar has been raised in this room. (laughs) Just to add to that, I mean, I think those are all really good pieces. I think it really um, creates a great culture, a company culture, and knowing that you know, the company is willing to do these things for their, you know, employees. And you, like we kind of talked about earlier, but you get to interact with departments that you maybe haven't in the past and you get to know people at a much different level. And that's what I really enjoy about, you know, us being able to have the company events and going on the boat cruises. Um, You get to talk to people you just don't really always interact with. And I think that's a really good thing because you feel more comfortable than the next day back in the office going up to them and asking them more about, you know, their lives. And mm-hmm. um, I so I, I, I think it's really great to have these types of events. Yeah, I think sometimes it gets you out of a rut. And it's it, sometimes a workplace can be like high school. And I only say in a way that you get used to your role. Yeah. And it might be a departmental thing versus like a click or anything like that. Um, and I talked to some people after that boat cruise and, and they had mentioned a, a certain colleague how where where is this person at work? Like this person doesn't talk this much at work. They don't they don't have fun at work like this. But but this individual was that way, uh, walking to the boat cruise and on the boat cruise. And again, sometimes it it snaps you out of that idea that you know this person is is labeled in a certain category. And you know none of us are doing it on purpose. But you just don't have that interaction. You don't have that that camaraderie that we talked about earlier as well. So I think that, again, that helps open it up to more natural conversation and and a better understanding of who you're working with, even if you only work with them, say, once a week or once a month. You know, it might just be on a very, very small scale. But I think that does help. Um, I think, Ashley, as you mentioned, it's a little more comfortable then maybe with that person, whether it's the next day or the next time you work with them. And it's uh, it just helps eliminate that awkwardness and um, and doesn't force you to have to be like, oh, I need to get to know this person. You just you just do, you know, like you did when you were a kid. You, you just went right. to the sandbox or to the playground and you played. It didn't matter who they were. So uh, I think that's where it comes into play, just that natural idea. All right, fantastic. Well, as always, this is the fastest half hour of our workday. <laughs> <laughs> we have so much more to talk about, but sorry. We're going to have to take it offline. So it was great having you join us today, Roselle. And you will come back and join us in a few weeks, won't you? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. It was a pleasure. (laughs) Listeners, don't forget that you can connect with any of us in the LJN Radio Quad by sending a message to LJN Radio at localjobnetwork.com with topics you would like to hear about. And remember to follow us on Twitter at the LJN and use hashtag LJN Radio. A Starbucks gift card goes to our favorite tweet. Although I'm not sure who's the judge of this. Maybe it's you, Tim. (laughs) So hope you have some fun at work today or sometime soon. And remember to give back to the communities and you'll have fun there as well. For Tim Yuma, Ashley Fitzgerald and Roselle Rogers, I'm Lynn Molitor. Thanks for listening.